Welcome to the Thriller Fiction Podcast, your source for gripping and twisty stories in a serialized format. And now, here's your host, Jim Heskett. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, one story ends and another begins. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Thriller Fiction Podcast. I am your host, Jim Heskett. How's my um super deep voice uh, movie announcer? Kind of like my Brit Hume impression. Are you guys old enough to remember Brit Hume? He was a he was a news announcer who had haircut that was like a helmet sitting on top of his head in the seventies, eighties, and nineties. Anyway, um, I'm gonna try to keep this one very short because we have an extremely long story we're gonna read. Joe Denazi is back in the podcast to read a story called Shots and Strippers. And this story is balls to the wall crazy. That's the only way I know how to explain it. It is a thriller short story about a drinking game and glitter dusted strippers. And it turns into something insane by the end of it. I don't want to give away too much, but I think you're really going to dig it. It's a little bit edgy. So if you're into the tame stuff, this one might not totally be for you. Um, but there's no sex. Uh, when I say, uh, I say glitter dusted strippers and edgy, you probably think that there's like a big orgy scene and it's not like that. There's no sex. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say about it. And uh, I think you're really going to dig it. So sit tight and get ready for a thrill ride. Anyway, I'll see you guys next week. Take care. Shots and strippers. If I had known Alex was going to pull the knife, I probably would not have invited him to my house that night. All that stuff they say about hindsight, well, it's true. None of the unpleasantness that followed the drinking game would have happened if I had kept Alex out of it. We would have had a simple, quiet party with just the four of us. Plus the strippers. And Grumpy. But on the other hand, I owe him a debt of gratitude. I suppose I'm getting ahead of myself, so let me start before the gratitude part. The evening began with the four of us, Wiles, Alex, Marcus, and me, around the dining room table, drinking beers and playing a game. That night, we played quarters. Just before Alex slapped his forearm against the table to bounce the quarter into the cup, he winked at me. I still don't know why he did that. It's not as if he was making a gesture of friendliness or a reference to some inside joke. Since we all worked together in a cutthroat industry, it was actually somewhat hard to call any of the people at that table my friends. Maybe it was a reminder that he had his eyes on me, or that he was the one sitting at Wiles' right hand instead of me. Alex could be like that. The spiky, blonde-headed kid always concerned himself with posturing, and Alex treated every situation an opportunity to advance his career. Not even twenty-one years old, and already all he cared about was climbing the corporate ladder. The quarter pinged against the varnished wood, arced through the air, and landed inside the glass in the center of the table. Alex threw up his arms, victorious. Ah, shit, he said. This is gonna be a long night for all you bitches. I'm just getting warmed up here. He pointed at me. Dave, you drink. I only sipped at my beer. This usually happened when playing quarters. They made a sport of me getting drunk because I had a reputation for not being able to hold my liquor. 
Maybe this came from the fact that I'd been drinking a bit more since my girlfriend had skipped out on me, but I mean it when I say the reputation was completely undeserved. I could totally hold my liquor. I just chose not to. Anyway, I didn't want to get too drunk before the main entertainment arrived later that evening. Alex reached into the glass and retrieved the quarter. He looked to Wiles. I get to make a rule now, right? No, son, Wiles said. That's not the way we play it. You gotta hit three in a row. Wiles was our employer and patriarch. The older man in the group, at least twenty-five, we thought, but no one was sure, and most decisions went through him. He had the final say on any drinking game-related procedure. Fine, whatever. I can hit twenty in a row. Alex had only been part of the crew for a year or so, but had no trouble speaking his mind. For some reason, Wiles seemed to tolerate him more than he did the rest of us when we'd been fresh recruits. Alex slammed the quarter down again, and it clinked off the corner of the glass, but did not hit home. He shook his head and guzzled his beer. Marcus cackled, in his way that made his head lower and his neck stiffen. With that ridiculous mohawk, he already looked like a rooster, but his signature laugh move completed the effect. Unlike most people, who claimed not to care what other people think, Marcus gave no shits at all about public opinion. Just part of his trailer park charm. Only getting warmed up, are you, Alex? Marcus said. Alex shot him a vindictive glare. Wiles laughed, too, and Alex's look morphed from malicious to wounded when he saw Wiles's reaction. I reached across and slid the quarter over to Marcus, refusing to participate in their reindeer games. It was always like this whenever we got together outside of work. "'What you got going on this weekend?' Alex said, tilting his head towards me. "'Oh, not much,' I said. "'Maybe drive down to Denver and hit up some bars. "'But nothing planned, really.' "'That's funny,' Alex said as he gave Wiles the eye. "'I don't have anything going on either. "'Probably just sitting at home, pulling on my dick as usual.' Wiles scowled, but didn't reply to Alex's comment. I wasn't sure what was going on, but there was some extra hint of tension between the three of them tonight. Alex and Marcus, who had never played nice with each other, seemed only a beer or two away from cracking bottles over each other's heads. Marcus scooped up the quarter and immediately thumped it against the table, which caused it to bounce wide and hit nowhere near the cup. The quarter danced and spun until it came to a stop. Alex chuckled a little too vehemently, as Marcus took the penance from his beer bottle. "'What time we leaving tomorrow?' Marcus said. The strange thing was he'd directed the question at Wiles, but he looked at Alex as he said it. "'Be at my place around noon,' Wiles said as he fetched the quarter from the table. "'I need to bring anything special?' Wiles bounced the quarter off the table and it landed perfectly in the cup. No skim in the rim or anything. Wiles had a unique quarter-tossing style that only he could execute. Just your digits, he said. My scale's been acting up lately. Spilled Mountain Dew on the motherfucker and now it won't tear right. I don't even know where I'm supposed to take the thing to get it fixed. Wiles pointed at me to drink. I sipped. Not going to get me in trouble tonight, fellas. You can borrow my scales. Alex said to Wiles. Mine are working just fine. 
Or actually, I got a whole ounce already broken out into gram bags if you don't want to mess with it. Wiles bounced the quarter again and it landed in the cup. That won't be necessary. He nodded at Alex, who obliged. Alex liked having to take gulps from his beverage at any opportunity. Oh, okay, whatever. I can meet you guys wherever, though. <clears throat> if you still need them, Alex said, belching through the last couple words. Wiles grunted as he picked the quarter out of the glass. He quickly bounced it, and it landed in the cup again. Three in a row. So just let me know what you want me to do, Alex said. I won't fuck it up like Mohawk here. Damn it, Alex, Wiles said, slapping the table to get everyone's attention. Here's my rule. You are now forbidden from speaking any more during the game unless you are spoken to directly. You can answer questions and shit, but you can't say anything else. Starting now. Go on, drink. Marcus cackled. Yeah, drink it up, newbie. Alex lowered his eyelids and glared with such fire that I thought he might stand up and poke Marcus's eyes out. Alex tilted back his bottle and drained the beer. I'm getting really tired of this newbie shit. How long do I gotta be a part of this before you stop calling me that? Because I'm actually out there bringing in money while all you do is sit in your ghetto-ass trailer and play Xbox all day long. I think you just broke the rule, I said. Drink, Alex. You have no idea what I spend my time doing, you little tweaker, Marcus said. Alex's eyes grew to twice their size. Me? I'm the tweaker? I'm not the one trading rocks for blowjobs from chicks with less teeth than fingers. Enough! Wiles slammed a closed fist on the table. The quarter rattled inside the glass. If you two don't cut this shit out right now, I'm gonna crack both your motherfucking heads together. Marcus lowered his head. And Alex did not. But at least he shut his mouth. It's one thing to break a quarter's rule, it's another to have Wiles bust your balls at the dinner table. Doorbell. Marcus started whooping, and Miles drummed his hands on the table, this time in excitement instead of venom. The mood in the room instantly improved now that the evening's real fun had arrived. Wiles pulled a wad of bills out of his pocket and started peeling off twenties. I left the table and crossed the house to let in our guests. When I opened the door, standing on the other side of my doorway was a tall blonde with gigantic hair. I've always liked big hair. Don't ask me why. Her locks spilled over her shoulders, cascading into loops and squiggles along her collarbone. Given the price, I was expecting attractive girls. But not this attractive. Are you Dane? She said. Uh, yeah, that's me. I'm Dave. Could have been smoother, but I'm really not a strip club kind of guy, and speaking that language never came easily to me. That's more Wiles' gig. She grinned from one side of her mouth. So coy. Then we're in the right place. She walked past me, and then three more girls entered, each wearing trench coats. A brunette, a redhead, and a raven-haired girl. Three white girls and an Asian. Wiles must have requested this last, as I remember him mentioning something about those girls being in his wheelhouse. 
Finally, bringing up the rear was a massive guy in black slacks and skin-tight black t-shirt, the expansiveness of his chest testing the limits of the shirt. He had fake tan skin, greasy hair, and a gold chain like one of those Jersey Shore goons. The girls marched inside, but Jersey goons stopped directly in front of me, so close that I could smell the wintergreen of his gum. You are? He said, sizing me up like a sparring partner. Dave, I said, then arched my back to withdraw from the range of his minty breath. Dave, he said. That's right, I said. This is my house, but I'm not the one who arranged this. That would be Wiles, Derek Wiles. He's the one who called. Wiles, Jersey Goon said. He seemed to have a gift for repeating things. Yeah, I said. Well, Dave, I'll talk to Wiles, but since this is your house, I'm going to talk to you, too. My name is Greg, but everybody calls me Grumpy. You can call me Grumpy. Got it. You know why I'm here? Grumpy said, smacking his gum as he spoke. You're like some kind of bouncer, I said. Grumpy smiled and looked surprised. Yeah. I'm some kind of bouncer. I'm here to make sure we have a good time and everybody's safe. And by everybody, I mean the ladies. They're going to put on a little show, and you're going to be respectful. If you guys are polite and nice tippers, they may hang out and have a drink or two with you after the show. The agency already explained all this to Mr. Wiles over the phone, but I'm going to tell you again. We really only got one rule here. Whatever I say, goes. If something happens I don't like, then we have a problem. Like what? I said. Getting handsy, that kind of stuff. You seem like a smart guy. Thank you, I said. So I don't think I really need to explain it to you. If I see anything go down I don't like, I'm gonna say something about it. And I'm only going to say it once, you get me? I think so. Grumpy patted me on the chest with a meaty hand, and then walked past me and into the living room. I followed, and now everyone was gathering there. Wiles and Marcus on the couch, and Alex on the recliner. The girls were huddled together in the opposite corner, discussing, I don't know, strategy or something like that. Grumpy opened a suitcase, removed a boombox, and plugged it into the wall. He cleared his throat, and the girls halted their tactical analysis. The blonde nodded at Grumpy. Gentlemen, Grumpy said, allow me to introduce to you Sierra, Jasmine, Electra, and Jade. The girls in turn bowed, blonde, redhead, brunette, and black hair, one at a time. They formed an evenly spaced line across the room, and Grumpy moved out of the way. He nestled up against the wall, just below the picture of a teenaged me standing beside my parents and grandparents. With his arms crossed and one knee bent, with that foot flat against the wall. His apprehensive gaze, however, remained on me. Cops have always had a habit of singling me out of any random group of people. Maybe I radiate some sort of delinquent vibe, because Grumpy seemed to have locked on me in the same way. The first song started. 
filling my living room with driving bass layered with digital keyboards. Standard club music. The girls moved in unison and in time with the melody, each extending a hand out and then grasping the belt of their trench coats. They tugged on the belts gently at first, then ripped them open and shrugged their shoulders to let the coats fall to the floor. Thwump. Each wore a different version of the same outfit. Pastel bikini with a silky wrap around the waist. Flat stomachs, protruding collarbones, concave skin between breasts dusted with glitter. They all had enormous fake boobs that seemed to float as if on water. My mouth dropped open because I'd only seen girls like this in porn movies. Wiles had gone all out. This must have cost a fortune. He had said that a new connect in Colorado Springs was supposed to deliver large chunks of previously closed southern Colorado business. But things must have been better than he let on. We were celebrating. These examples of plastic flawlessness broke their line and started writhing independently to the music. As I'd suspected, the Asian went straight for Wiles. He leaned back on the couch, a wide grin on his face and a cluster of twenty-dollar bills in his hand. He fanned the bills against the pant leg of his jeans, and I could practically hear Jade salivating. The brunette sashayed towards Marcus, thrusting her hip to the side with each step. The redhead similarly danced towards Alex, and, as my heart leapt into my throat, the gorgeous big-haired blonde Sierra locked me in her stripper gaze and slinked her way across the carpet to me. Like a gawker at the mall, I was standing in the middle of the room, so she placed her hands on my shoulders and guided me backwards toward a chair. She gave me a graceful push, and I toppled onto the chair. She leaned over, the heat from those silicone-filled buoys warming my face. She leaned in and licked my ear before whispering in a Texas drawl, Your friend Derek wants you all to have a good time tonight. I gulped and said nothing in reply. So smooth I am. I won't go into all the intimate details of the show, because the bulk of the craziness happened after. All that needs to be said is that the girls boogied and teased and rubbed their naughty bits on ours through the clothes for five or six songs, for about twenty minutes total, give or take. When the music stopped and the panting girls began to walk around the room to collect various bits of clothing, Wiles showered them with enough cash that they were all four, five if you count Grumpy, perfectly willing to hang out and have drinks and other party favors with us. We migrated into the kitchen and I volunteered to mix margaritas for the group. That is, after I had gone into the bathroom and wiped a few ounces of glitter from my hands, neck, face, and hair. While I dropped ice cubes into the blender, a now-naked Sierra attempted to engage me in conversation. If I were her, I would have no idea what to do with my hands in that situation. Clasp them in front, clasp behind, let them hang loosely at the sides. Sierra, however, had no trouble. She casually placed them on her hips, as if there were nothing strange about talking to a virtual stranger with all of her goodies hanging out. So... What do you do for a living? Dave, I said, trying to keep my eyes at a respectable level. What do you do for a living, Dave? Not a question I often answered truthfully. I actually work with Wiles. 
I said, nodding towards the man as he licked salt from the back of Jade's hand and downed a shot of tequila. We do some importing. It's really boring stuff, actually. And no sooner had I said that than Wiles leaned around me and stole the little white envelope I'd stashed in my back pocket. Knew you'd have some on you, he said. He ripped the envelope open and dumped the contents out onto his hand. A small sandwich baggie of cocaine, twisted closed with a rubber band. Wiles thrust the baggie into the air like a warrior flaunting the severed head of his enemy. "'Who wants to see it snow?' he said in a majestic tone, and Sierra squeezed my arm, smiled a sad see-you-later smile, and turned her attention to Wiles. Funny, because it was my coke he was using to steal the affections of the girl who had, just a minute ago, been hanging on my every word. Maybe not hanging, but whatever. I told myself that I didn't care much about her bought-and-paid-for affections, since at that time I had been considering various methods to rekindle things with my ex. Jade, Sierra, and Grumpy swarmed the man in possession of the nose candy, while Marcus and Alex stayed on their side of the kitchen with the redhead and the brunette. Alex's arms were drooping around the brunette's waist, and Marcus was nuzzling against the redhead's neck. My viewing angle made his mohawk appear to jut from her back like the bony plates of a stegosaurus. I puzzled over why Grumpy had entirely different rules for touching here in the kitchen than he did during the show in the living room. Then it occurred to me. These girls were negotiating for a separate payday. Grumpy was not only bouncer, but also pimp. At least that's what I'd concluded. Alex slid his hand down Electra's back and squeezed her ass. She shrugged away from him. Hold on, big boy she said. Let's not get anything started just yet. Grumpy, who had been leaning over the kitchen island, stood up. A twenty-dollar bill protruded from the end of his nose. Electra, everything okay over there? With a toothy smile, she nodded and repositioned Alex's hands on her hips. Marcus paused from munching on the redhead's neck to laugh. Not like newbie here would know what to do with her anyway. What did I tell you about that newbie shit? Alex said. I swear to Christ, if you don't stop fucking with me... That's enough, Wiles said. You need to let go of whatever this beef is between you two. I observed Grumpy. His brow remained creased for another minute as he examined the situation, but after Marcus and Alex stopped giving each other the evil eye, he leaned over and dipped the rolled bill in his nose back into the mountain of powder on my teak cutting board. He snorted through a line as if he needed it to breathe. A few seconds later, Marcus apparently decided to poke the tiger a bit more. "'What's your name?' he said to the brunette talking to Alex. "'Electra,' she said. "'No, your real name.' She frowned, and I supposed she heard this question often. I had to stifle a laugh when I realized that the woman with the exposed breasts and nipples erect like flesh thimbles was fighting to protect her privacy. Come on, sweetie, you know I won't answer a question like that. If you're gonna be sucking my dick later tonight, Marcus said, I want to know the name your mama gave you. 
Alex put his hand across Electra's chest as if he were preventing her from hurtling through the front windshield of a car in an accident. "'What the fuck do you think you're doing?' he said. "'She's not even talking to you. She's talking to me.' I flicked my gaze to Grumpy, as I assumed he would want to get involved. But he was gripping the edge of the island, his eyes rolling back in his head. "'I have exceptional coke. Most people are unprepared for the rush of coke that has barely been stepped on. I rarely do any myself, but all my customers stay satisfied.' Marcus gently pushed the redhead out of the way, so he, Alex, and Electra stood in a tight triangle. She's only talking to you because I allow it, newbie. If I wanted this bitch, I could have this bitch. God damn it, Marcus, Wiles said, wiping powder from the tip of his nose. Leave him alone. No, Alex said. You don't need to stick up for me. Marcus here is jealous, that's all. He's jealous that I'm so much better at all this than he is. He's jealous that I'm the one you send on the special runs when he's left all alone in his piece-of-shit trailer smoking up all his product instead of selling it. If you're such the golden boy, Marcus said, then how come I'm the one going on the road trip with Wiles tomorrow instead of you? That's when it happened. Alex whipped around and grabbed a knife from the magnetic strip above my counter. As he turned back, he raised the knife and made a move to slash at Marcus. Standing only two feet outside of their triangle, and apparently possessing lightning-fast reflexes, Sierra threw her hands out in an attempt to grab Electra. She might have succeeded, too, if Electra hadn't seen the knife and panicked. Electra spun, knocking Sierra into the middle of the fray and placing the blonde's forearm directly in the path of Alex's thrusting blade. He tore a five-inch gash across her skin. Even before the blood began to pour, she screamed and fell to the floor in a heap of naked flesh. The piercing sound seemed to wake Grumpy from his coke trance, and he shot up straight with eyes as wide as two blazing suns. Grumpy reached into his back pocket and withdrew a metal stick, about the size of a flashlight. He flicked his wrist, and the stick telescoped to some kind of baton, like a slim black baseball bat. Alex recovered from his mistake and lunged for Marcus, knife first. Marcus, despite being a crackhead, was quite lithe, and he coupled his hands like a volleyball setter and then raised and smashed them against Alex's forearm. Alex dropped the knife, and Marcus laid the right hook across Alex's face. Grumpy lifted his baton to the ceiling, then thrust his arms down, the baton on its way to crashing into Alex's skull. He was halfway through the motion when he suddenly let go of the baton and bent in half. Wiles removed his fist from Grumpy's stomach and then smashed it into the greasy goon's abs a few more times. The brass knuckles on Wiles' hands gleamed under the lights of the kitchen. How he even had time to slip those things on, I'll never know. All of this happened in the space of about five seconds. But the girls had already flown out of the kitchen, crying and shrieking. All of them except for Sierra, of course, who was crawling across the floor towards me. A trail of blood droplets stretched out behind her, some smeared by the path of her knees. I dropped to a crouch and reached for her, placing my hands around the opening in her forearm to apply pressure on it. The look on her face of sheer terror startled me, and I struggled to think of something to say, but I drew a blank. I lifted my hand to get a better look at the oozing wound, 
and the opening didn't seem too deep. Probably she was more frightened than injured. That was understandable. I reached up, grabbed a dish towel from the island, and wrapped it around her arm as a tourniquet. When I stood up again, the chaos of the last few seconds had settled into something more organized. Wiles, Marcus, and Alex were surrounding Grumpy, beating the holy hell out of him. Wiles restrained the bouncer from behind, his arms underneath Grumpy's shoulder blades. Alex was punching Grumpy in the stomach, with Marcus slugging away at the face. Teamwork. This beating went on for twenty seconds. Thirty seconds. Until it became clear that Grumpy the greasy jersey bouncer was a limp sack of meat in Wiles' arms. I could see his sizable chest still moving, but the guy was unconscious. Guys, I said, if you think you're done, can we get Sierra here to the hospital? She's cut up pretty bad. She was huddled at my feet, gripping the dish towel, which was now turning burgundy from the flow of her blood. She was whimpering, her ragged breath coming in snatches through her grimace. I felt bad for her, but I wanted to make sure that these idiots didn't kill Grumpy or each other. Please, God, at least not in my house. Wiles released his grip and Grumpy collapsed to the floor. They all stared at each other, seeming not to know what to do with this newfound peace and quiet. Marcus wiped his blood-stained hands on his jeans. Alex, what the fuck is wrong with you? Wiles said. Me? Alex pointed at Marcus. He's the one who started all of this! He's the one- I didn't start shit, Marcus said. You've been on my ass all day, whining about this and that and trying to get under my skin. What twisted little fantasy has gotten you so fucked up that you would pull a knife on me? A dribble of snot clung to the underside of Alex's nose. He was hiccuping, red-faced and on the verge of tears. At first he couldn't speak. He tried, but only broken breaths emerged. Spit it out, Wiles said. Road trip! Alex shouted. Why does Marcus get to go and I don't? It's not fair! Wiles took a step back, steadying himself by placing one hand on the island and one on the counter. He leaned forward and groaned, resting all his weight on his hands, shook his head. Fucking hell, this is all about the damn road trip. Alex, now unable to control the tears, let it all out. He spoke in gasps and snatches through a veil of bubbly mucus and sobs. I work really hard, and Marcus doesn't do shit. Why does he get to do the really important stuff like meet with your connect? You've never introduced me to the big guys. The look on Wiles' face changed from disbelief to pity. Oh, son, it's not like that. That's what you want? To meet the big guys? Alex dragged the sleeve of his shirt across his snotty nose. He nodded. Fuck me, Wiles said. We're just going down to Colorado Springs to pick up some product, that's all. I still want to go, Alex said. Is that cool with you? Wiles said to Marcus. Marcus shrugged and nodded as if Alex hadn't just tried to carve up his face with one of my good steak knives. Sure, whatever, Wiles, that's cool with me. Just don't be late, Dick Munch. Noon means noon, not twelve-thirty. Alex cleared his throat, regaining a bit of his composure. Sure, I'll be there. 
You guys want to hit up the El Taco Ray while we're down there? Marcus said. No, Alex said. Pueblo Viejo is the place. Mad fajitas, like those super hot ones. Guys, I said, pointing down at the still bleeding stripper at my feet. Right, right, Wiles said. You take care of her. We better do something about Grumpy here, too. I crouched again and put on my best soothing smile. Not to toot my own horn too much, but I do consider myself a damage control specialist. When you run with wiles, you kind of have to be one. Maybe I do sell drugs and hang out with people who think nothing of beating a man halfway to death. But that's not all I am. Not even close. I also like cross-country skiing, brewing my own beer, and exotic anime. But not that freaky tentacle rape stuff. Sierra looked up at me, a strange mix of fear and hope on her tear-streaked face. I said, Okay, honey. Can you tell me your real name now? I... It's Jenny. Okay, Jenny, I said. You're going to be fine. I'm going to take you to the hospital, and they're going to get you all fixed up. You're cut, but it's not that bad. Maybe a few stitches, but you'll be fine. Will I have a scar? She said. I don't know, Jenny. She stifled any more crying, wiped her tears away with her good hand, and forced a meager smile. I took a moment to marvel at her resilience. I don't know much about women, but I doubted that many could wear such a brave face after enduring such a harrowing few minutes. I slipped a hand behind her back to help her to her feet and saw Marcus and Wiles holding Grumpy's legs while Alex supported him under the shoulder blades. On the way out, I grabbed her trench coat and slipped it over her shoulders. Negotiating over the forearm cut was tricky, but she stayed mute. Seriously tough. What are they going to do with him? Grumpy, don't worry about that, I said. He's going to be fine. They're going to make sure he gets home safe. You just worry about you right now. Thank you, she said. You're very sweet. I helped her out of the house and into my car, and we drove to the emergency room. She kept her eyes closed most of the way, trying not to grimace. So brave and sexy and cute all at the same time. I pulled my car into the drive through lane in the front of the sliding glass doors and idled. Best thing would have been for her to get out so I could drive away anonymously. I had zero desire to answer questions about why I was with a girl, naked under a trench coat, with a domestic abuse-type gash across her forearm. But despite all that resolve, one little question changed everything. Do you think you could go in with me? She said. I gawked at her. She was smiling. So honeyed and innocent, with her bronzed skin and wide eyes and voluminous blonde hair. This was insanity. The likely result of me taking this injured woman into the hospital would be jail time for me. My mind raced. Please? She said. I blinked. Of course. I'm not going to abandon you. I won't tell them what happened. I appreciate that. My friends are crazy. Like, seriously crazy. I'm sorry you had to see that and get involved in all that mess. 
Back then, I always kept a notebook and pen in the space between my car's center console and passenger seat, and Jenny picked up both items with her good arm. She opened the notebook to a fresh page and scribbled inside it. I couldn't see what she was writing. What's that? I said. My phone number, she said. She laid the notebook on my dashboard and I rounded the car to help her to her feet. Again, taking each slow step together, we walked into the emergency room. Discussion questions. Glitter is to strippers as cocaine is to... Would the evening have gone differently if they'd played beer pong instead of quarters? Why or why not? Is Grumpy lying in a ditch somewhere? If so, is the world better off for it? That's it for this episode of the Thriller Fiction Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and visit jimheskett.com for more info and free thriller books.